This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Are you ready to be a 21st century grandparent? You may think so, but lots of millennials disagree. That's why Sunnybrook has a class for that. I'll talk to the teacher. And speaking of care in the 21st century, the Canadian Medical Association has a plan. I'll chat with the organization's new president. But first... Here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do you live in a neighborhood with lots of fast food restaurants? If so, new research finds you might be more likely to have a heart attack. For every additional fast food outlet in a neighborhood, there were four additional heart attacks per 100,000 people each year. That's according to the Australian report. Men in this country are twice as likely to smoke pot as women. New data from Statistics Canada shows 16% of Canadians reported using pot in April, down slightly from the first three months of the year. The survey suggests men are more likely to use pot daily or weekly and also more likely to use it for non-medical purposes. 95-year-old Gene Savage has been listening to Canadian rock band Glass Tiger for more than 30 years. And last week, 62-year-old Alan Frew and his 80s bandmates surprised their biggest fan with an impromptu concert at the Alberta Seniors Home where she lives. Gene said the mini-serenade was marvelous and outstanding and Better than a game of bingo. Her goal is to have Glass Tiger return for her 100th birthday. Just know that nothing's impossible. That's 101-year-old Tao Porshawn Lynch, the world's oldest yoga instructor. She kicked off her birthday week doing what she loves best, teaching a weekly Sunday class And she arrived wearing her signature outfit, yoga pants, long nails painted bright pink, wearing stilettos. Among her tips for aging well, never put off anything you can do today, learn the art of breathing, and fill your mind with positive thoughts. She was recognized by Guinness as the world's oldest yoga teacher seven years ago. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. So you think you know how to raise children. But a lot has changed since you last diapered the kids who are now becoming parents. Not to mention the emotional minefields like grandparent wars. That's why Sunnybrook Health Sciences is offering a prenatal course for grandparents-to-be. I talked with patient educator Kelly Greer. We now know that about one in a thousand babies has an airway that narrows when they're lying on their tummies. And if they're lying on their sides, that's not ideal either because they, they're more likely to end up on their tummies. So we do put babies to sleep on their backs. Um, they shouldn't be overheated either. Uh, they shouldn't be sleeping with hats on. 
Um, they should be in the same room as their parents. The guidelines recently changed from six months with their parents to 12 months with their parents, which does come as a shock to some grandparents because, you know, I'm a grandmother myself and we did do, you know, we all did the best that we knew how to do based on the current information. And babies are the same as they've always been, but what we know about babies has evolved as more and more studies are done. So how does being in the same room make it safer for the baby? Because most babies who succumb to the very, very rare condition of, uh, well, happenstance of SIDS, it happens in the deep sleep state. And it often happens when the deep sleep state has been artificially extended beyond what nature would want. So we look at things that would do that, such as swaddling. And a lot of us were taught to swaddle our babies when they were born. But now we don't swaddle anymore with the arms down um, because we know it suppresses the morrow reflex that would pull them out of sleep apnea, if needs be. We also know that they come in and out of the deep sleep state um, based on the environment. So if they're hearing their parents talking or snoring or or just a subliminal connection with the parents being in the same room, it does give them that healthy in and out of the deep sleep state that is optimal for keeping them safe. What else has changed? Um, the emphasis on breastfeeding has changed. So... We are very supportive of all mothers and the way they feed their babies, but the public health message has changed that we are saying that breastfeeding is optimal. What about jealousies like a grandparent who wants to be in the birthing room or who's saying that the other side of the grandparents are getting more time with the new baby? What about all those things? Yes. So that is a thing, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And as a hospital, you know, we are just visitors in their lives. We're not going to be able to bring world peace (laughs) to the situation. But I do give advice. It's not just between the grandparents. It's sometimes, for example, a mum can be saying, well, you know, my mother-in-law wore a horrible dress to my wedding and I'm not going to let her see the baby today. (laughs) You know, she can come back tomorrow. And I do really advocate for grandparents a lot in my prenatal classes and the importance of having them involved in your baby's life and what a privilege that is. And to really view these babies as peacemakers and something joyful and not something to fight over. What are some of the other complaints about grandparents or that grandparents have? Bringing cultural practices from another country that makes sense in that environment to Toronto where they don't necessarily make sense. So one common complaint I I hear is mother-in-laws or mothers are very upset because they want the young mother to stay at home for a month with her baby or 40 days and not leave the home. Whereas our healthcare system here, 
We don't have long stays in the hospital, but we do keep an eye on that baby by, you know, they have to see a pediatrician or a family doctor within 48 hours of leaving the hospital. We welcome them back to the breastfeeding clinic to give them support. I've heard grandmothers complain and say, oh my goodness, this is outrageous that they're going out the house, but it's actually for the good of the the child. And what about jealousy among grandparents, grandparent wars? What I advise for parents and grandparents is the help given to the couple needs to be the help needed, not the help you want to give. So the help most people want to give is hand over that baby and let me cuddle my grandchild. Whereas actually a very useful thing to support new families is to give them the time and space to learn their own baby. So free them up by, you know, hanging out with them, cooking some meals, filling the freezer, and yes, cuddling the baby and taking them for a walk, etc. But that's not the best help that can be given. So maybe beforehand, they can sit down and speak to the, the couple and say, well, I say couple, it could be a single mum, and say, what would be helpful to you? And it can be surprising. It can be we're really worried about somebody walking the dog. Anything else you'd like to leave us with? Yay for grandparents. I think so many new parents really come to appreciate their parents in a whole new light when they enter this world of parenting. Carrie Greer, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. That was patient educator Kelly Greer on the art of grandparenting. spends much of his time doing something old-fashioned, making house calls for his palliative care patients. But Dr. Sandy Buckman has some very modern ideas about how to improve our health care. We talked after he was installed as the 142nd president of the Canadian Medical Association. One major priority that we have is that burnout and depression are serious problems within the medical profession. That's to work overload, to uh, having many competing uh, requests for people's times and efforts and and skills uh, all at once. Sometimes the environments in which we work are obviously very stressful. But one of the main issues for us is that when physicians aren't well, patients don't get the best quality of care. As human beings, if we're suffering... That's going to affect how patients are going to be cared for. And so I think it's very important to continue to address the issues of physician health and wellness. Your background is palliative care, cancer care, hospices, and uh, you perform some medical assistance in dying. How do those things inform what you want to accomplish? Our focus in many ways is on compassion. It informs the way I approach leadership. And compassionate leadership is really to notice the suffering of our membership, but also it comes from noticing the suffering of patients. And when I see my patients suffer, I have to identify that suffering and 
interpret it. I empathize with it. But of course, the Compassionate Act is doing something about it. That's how I deal now with my palliative care patients. When I identify a need in the community, I seek to address that needs. In leadership, that leads to understanding what physicians are going through to ultimately improve their care of patients, but also because we're humans too, caring for humans. Do we have enough palliative care? We don't have enough palliative care. Up to 30% on the high side are getting the kind of palliative care we need. We don't have enough support for primary care providers, for example, to provide palliative care. So the answer is basically no. But part of the problem is we have pockets that have very good palliative care and other areas of the province in Ontario and across the country that have inadequate access to palliative care. We have to get a consistent We have to make it so that all Canadians have access and the right to access palliative care. Is part of the problem that people often wait until it's very, very late and a lot of people just freak out at the idea of palliative care? Yeah. I don't think it's the as much people who are waiting too late, but... Maybe they're healthcare providers who aren't recognizing that they sh- should have palliative care involved from early on. So early palliative care is much more successful in not only reducing anxiety and distress for the patient and their, their loved ones, but is also instrumental actually in allowing the patient to even live longer. So it's not just about quality of life, it can be of quantity of life too. There's lots of evidence to support that. There seem to be a couple of themes at the summit, and one of them is integrating care. And we all know that part of the problem is that medical care is so siloed that people don't know where to go for the next phase of it. Are there some solutions being proposed? Well, you're right. So many things in healthcare are siloed. And our conference is called Connected in Care. And we're looking for all the ways that can improve the connections within the healthcare system. We're really trying to leverage technology for healthcare system transformation, and we believe it's urgent. The time is now. It's time that our healthcare system got into the 21st century. So we, we've had many experts here uh, looking at uh, artificial intelligence, uh, big data. We had a two-hour session today on virtual care. And virtual care is the kind of care where we can use technology to actually provide the care at a distance. It would be, you imagine the remote and rural populations of the country that have inadequate access to primary care, to cancer care, to uh, to mental health care, to addictions care. All these things can be done virtually. I make home visits. That's what I do all day, every day. And I also work with the homeless on the streets through inner city health associates. And we make the actual visits. And it's really important to make those visits. But I think how much more effective, how many more people can I serve if, say, 50% of the time, instead of facing traffic or difficult weather conditions, uh, finding parking, etc., I actually can do those visits virtually, that we have a secure system, have FaceTime or Skype system where I could actually provide the care. Maybe there's a nurse at home or another family member. We have equipment in the home that can measure biological parameters like oxygen saturations. Uh, We can listen to a chest, do a blood pressure. But most of it is going to be the interaction, how I see the patient, how he or she sees me, and a human interaction using technology. We could be way more efficient. This This has been a core piece of the conference that we have here today. 
Does that mean uh, some of your members are ready to get rid of their fax machines? <laughs> we have a, a saying, it's called Axe the Fax. And uh, yes, very much so. People want to move on, but we need to be supported and it needs to be funded. We need to look at the regulation and policy development. We look. We have to look at the remuneration issues. Um, we have to train people in how to use it appropriately. We have to educate patients on how to use this kind of technology. So there's many things to develop. But uh, I, I learned today myself that there are over a million virtual visits taking place in Ontario this past year. So that's a real step, um, but we have so much, so much further to go. Dr. Sandy Buckman, thank you. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Sandy Buckman, the new president of the Canadian Medical Association. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, Faz Kazi, and Justin Eacock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.